T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5. All three engines up and burning. 2, 1, 0. And liftoff, the final liftoff of Atlantis on the shoulders of the space shuttle. America will continue the dream. And blast off. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Jake Schaefer campaign. I'm your host, Jacob Mark Schaefer, and this is my campaign. If you're a first-time listener, you're probably thinking, hey, that guy sounds like the other guy from that hit CBS drama, The Bold and the Beautiful, and you'd be right. But I'm much more than just an actor and part-time model. I'm also the dungeon master of my Numenera group, and I've been known to write books from time to time. My newest book, The Fleeting Prince, was put out this month by my publisher, Bold Ventures Press. If you're a fan of this podcast, please pick up a copy of the book on Amazon and write a review. They're very helpful. In the meantime, I'll continue to release chapters from the book bi-weekly on this podcast. Now, without further ado, Chapter 3 of The Fleeting Prince. Chapter 3 Lennox stood at the shore of the Black Lake, gazing out across the void. The spiraling torches of the cathedral burned behind him, accompanied by a towering bonfire, ten feet tall, fueled by the wooden pews of the undead cathedral. The fire burned hot and the flames were heavy, yet the light barely touched the water's edge, its radiant glow absorbed by the surrounding darkness. A silvery mist streamed forth from the black lake. The haze came up to Lennox's knees and clung to his armor in large liquid clumps, that gathered and spilled down to the earth and gathered again. He stood there for some time, not speaking, looking out across the water, the smallest of waves lapping up against the sloping stone floor. Not far from the edge, peeking out from the black water, stood the tops of three high towers. Lennox tried to remember what the buildings had once been. He couldn't recall. A small sadness fell upon him as he thought about the drowned city. This is a queer land, Shiva said. He sat on the steps outside the cathedral, bow in hand, as he looked out past Lennox towards the towers. Even the wildest stories say nothing about towers in the Black Lake. Or the gargoyles. Oh? You seem to have known of the gargoyle, if I recall. I had Mistress Soon to guide me. How fortunate for you. To have such a perceptive oracle for your mistress. The words came out sharper than Lennox had intended. Who knows how long he would have had to wait before another knight may have come and released him. Ten years? Fifty? A hundred? He couldn't even begin to guess. Azazel knew how long he had been imprisoned. Azazel, and perhaps a few loyal subjects. He remembered the day of his imprisonment. It burned hot in his memories. Parts of it had faded, small details, but mostly he remembered. The floodgates had been closed and he stood atop the cathedral, looking down into the city of a thousand fires, watching the water rise. One by one the rising water quenched the burning fire pits of the great city. Flames that had burned endlessly for hundreds of years sputtered into nothing at the touch of the cold water. 
casting up small puffs of steam before disappearing forever. Still the water rose, reaching next the great torchlights that hung along the city's tall stone buildings. In the streets men fought and died in battle, or fled. The women ran with their children in their arms and babies at their breast. The men moved beside them, carrying what little they could from their homes, food mostly, but for others it was gold and silver and jewels. They moved along the pathway that ran below the cathedral and along the mountainside. A few of the city's fire pits and torches still burned, and their light filled the cavern city. But as the water rose, the light faded, and chaos grew. Lennox's eyes followed the beast as it descended. Translucent wings untrained and spread wide, charging through the air like a bull. A blue knight rode atop the creature, his dark cloak blowing in the wind. The gargoyle hissed, and the blue knight leapt clear, landing on the roof of the cathedral like a blow from a hammer. A moment later, the beast stood beside him. I looked for you at the Tower of the Gods, Lennox said to him. I was not there, the blue knight answered as he rose. Or father and Lord Shem would yet live, and you would burn in Sheol. I went to the Red Shrine looking for a sister, and found the remains of Lord Bartaral and Lord Armoros, but you were nowhere to be seen. Sir Galeon had fled. I followed after, but he was gone. Woe to him had I found him. He unsheathed his bastard sword from his back and held it with both hands. The blade was pale white and shined like glass. Look no further, Lennox said, pointing down to the flooded city. He is there, dead and gone, slain by Rakon Stone, just before the floodgates were closed and the water ascended. Sir Rakon was a brave man, good and true. He will be remembered with songs, his deeds recorded. The blue knight moved towards Lennox. I've come for the Lord's tomes. Buried below the city, beneath the water, along with Sir Gillian and my effects. The blue knight continued forward. A sad smile touched his lips. A traitor. I would have him die a thousand times. No, Lennox said with grief in his voice. This age was already dying, crumbling and wasting away, so that something new may be born. The blue knight would hear no more. He dashed forward as the gargoyle leapt into the air. Lennox cursed the cheap steel blade he held in his hand and the rotten wooden heater shield he'd found in the cathedral. Without his weapons and rings, he'd have little chance. Curse me, he thought. They came together in a rush of steel and blood, the shadow of the gargoyle hovering above. Finish it. The words rung in his mind, distant words from a fallen queen. Lennox, end it. Lennox, the name echoed from the dark. The golden knight turned, stern as though woken from a dream. He blinked inside his helm, his eyes ever hidden, gazing through the bare slit of his visor. What is it? he asked. 
The water stirs. Shiva is on his feet, eyes narrow and cautious. Lennox turned back to the lake. Small dark wrinkles fell and broke on the sloped shore, growing in size as a cool subterranean chill swept in from the lake and pushed back the mist, revealing the wet earth stone below. Scattered puddles bathed in the torchlight of the cathedral, fire flickering in the cool still mirrors of their surface. As the mist that hung over the lake continued to dissipate, scattered ripples could be seen popping up along the surface, great circular rings that began small then swept out wide and stirred the water into large crashing waves two or three feet tall that beat at the shore where Lennox stood. The golden knight moved back, closer to the cathedral, and kept watch. I knew you had some magic, Shiva started. But what folly have you called down upon us? I would have you speak of your sorcery. There was a tone buried in the voice that hinted of fear. Hmm, you surprise me, Shiva. I thought you could see more. This is no sorcery of mine. I am at a fraction of my strength, and even then, I was always one for enchantments. I'm like you. I dislike arcane magic. Lennox glanced back, his eyes lingering on Shiva's face, searching the man for something true, something hidden deep inside the shadow of his hood. Slowly, the great stirring began to subside, and peace returned to the surface of the lake. A stillness hovered above the water, and a great calm filled the mountain city. Shiva held his bow low, an arrow knocked and ready to draw. He looked out across the surface with searching eyes, and for a long time neither moved nor made a sound. His heart pounded inside his chest. He knew something was queer, but what? At last it dawned on him. Since when had there been four towers? Shiva moved noiselessly down the steps of the cathedral. The second tower on the right, he whispered. I know, Lennox answered. Together they stood and watched as the tower drew forth, wading through the darkness like a pillar of smoke and ash. But as the column drew closer, the cathedral's light peeled back the darkness and transformed the black and gray stones into scales and turned the tower's hollow windows into yellow eyes that burned like golden moons with slits running through them. Shiva took half a step back and went to draw his bow but stopped short. Lennox endured, remaining where he stood, his gaze piercing across the water into the eyes of the everlasting serpent. The beast stopped short of the shore, its head swaying high above the two men as it looked down upon them. There was something human about its face, Shiva thought, especially the nose, but the skin around the mouth was red and scarred, as though it had been cut off. The serpent sat motionless in the shallow waters of the shore, but behind it, the creature's tail pushed back and forth along the surface, and every so often the serpent's gold liquid eyes would shift to Shiva before returning just as quickly to Lennox. At last the serpent spoke. No one has rung that bell. Not for a very long while. I count two, but truthfully... I thought there would be more. 
No matter. I will not be dismayed. I am Fade, the last of my kind and friend to man. You have called and I have come, as I was bid. Shall I elucidate your fate, that you may face the trials that await you? The serpent's forked tongue flickered out. Reveal yourselves to me. I would look into the eyes of those who called me, and know thy names. Shiva stepped forward, swinging his bow about his shoulder and pushing back his hood. He looked up at the mighty serpent and went down to one knee. Leaning forward, he pressed the knuckles of his right hand against the stone floor while his left hand rested at the end of his sword hilt. But he did not bow his head. He kept his eyes on Fade. Undying one, he began. I am Shiva of Cateron, captain of the guard and first warden to Orcos Eolasun. It is an honor to speak with one who witnessed the creation of all, the most sacred of days. I am only an old serpent, but if you wish, step forward and we shall speak. Shiva moved. His leather boots splashed gently on the shallow water of the shore. Once he reached Lennox, he stopped and returned to one knee. The serpent's tongue flickered. Oh, you smell of old magic, strong wards. For a moment, Fade seemed puzzled. Did you ring the bell? Shiva shook his head. No, of course not. You are strong, to be sure, with a will of iron. You will break before you bend, but your will is not your own. You have the scent of a servant, and your fortune is not mine to tell. The serpent paused for a moment, and then said, But if you like, I may give you a word. As to whether you will like it, I cannot say. I would hear it, Shiva answered at once. Very well, servant. What drives you? It is not a question for me. It is for you. This life is beautiful, bright and glorious. It bewitches you to the point of obsession. Yet you are a pawn in the game, but a pawn can kill the king just the same. Some serve themselves, others serve kings and queens, and still others the gods. So I ask you again, what is it that drives you? You will need to know, if you wish to endure. If the words meant anything to Shiva, he didn't show it. His face was a stone mask. He remained quiet for a moment wondering if perhaps Fade had more to say. He didn't, and at last Shiva spoke. Thank you, Undying One, he said. I shall think upon your words, for they are sure to be wise counsel. The serpent's tongue flickered out, and a hint of pleasure shimmered in his cold yellow eyes. He nodded his head slightly, and turned his eyes upon Lennox. Thy name, 
The golden knight stood with his arms folded, looking at Shiva who remained kneeling. He stood casually, as though he were watching a play, and the great show amused him. After a moment, he unfolded his arms and turned to face the serpent. Has it been so long, he said, as he reached up to remove his helm, have I grown so weak that I am a stranger to those who would know me? Shiva's eyes widened as the golden knight lowered his helm. The taint of the undead had made its mark. The decayed flesh that wrapped around his skull was a pale blue, as though he had been drowned. What little hair remained clung thin and clumpy to the patchy flesh, and large chunks of bone poked through where skin had rotted away. Transient being, I see only a cursed man, and one without much time remaining. The serpent spoke in a rich, deep voice that held the knowledge of ten thousand years. He dipped his head low and kept his eyes on Sir Lennox. You are brave, I see it clearly, but are you wise? I cannot say. You fascinate me, to be sure. There is something familiar about you. A glint in your eyes. An index of sins. You lost everything and seek to take back the taint. You heard whispers that I might break the curse. Well, that's not true at all. So then how am I to guide you? Lennox looked down for a moment, shaking his head. I thought for sure you would know me, but I thought wrong. Tis a terrible pity, really. Just how far have I fallen? Lennox lifted his head. I am not cursed. At least, not how you believe. I did not breathe in the taint. Lennox's eyes flickered to Shiva. My vessel has decayed, but what is done can be undone. And you will help me as you promised you would. The serpent's eyes regarded the golden knight carefully, considering the words that had been said. After a long moment, the serpent spoke. I do not know your face, sir knight. Perhaps your name. What good is a name? Lennox thought. He does not recognize me. He thinks I'm some half-crazed hollow. Sir Lennox of Martial, he said at last. The serpent's tongue flickered out. It flickered a second time, and then a third. Then he spoke. Yes, very good. I knew a Lennox of Martial once, long ago. He was a prince. Are you a prince? I've suffered this foolishness long enough, Lennox thought. He turned his head and saw Shiva staring back at him with cold and curious eyes. Well, it hardly matters who I say I am. You are bid to aid those who ring the bell. I have rung it, and I am in need of your assistance. Fade bowed low. What would you have me do? I seek the Lord's tomes. Below the lake in an unmarked grave, sealed by magic they wait, as well as my effects. Only you can break the seal, and only when bid by one who rang the bell. 
I know you swore yourself to Sir Gillian. I have come to see you true to your word. The serpent's tongue flickered. Behind the beast, a grey stirring within the water began once more, as quickly the serpent's tail emerged and crept along the black water. The end of the tail was long and thin, coiled in on itself in many layers, but ever so slowly. The coil began to unwind as it reached the shore. Take this. It is a gift freely given, said Fade. Lennox looked down at the tail and saw embedded into one of the scales a ring of pure silver. He picked up the ring and held it in his palm. The band was a perfect replica of Fade, shaped like a serpent. The silver snake wrapped around itself in a circle with its tail curving away and placed upon the head were two yellow sapphires for eyes. He could feel the magic woven into the silver, as he could with all rings of power. But what power do you hold? He thought. He could place the ring on his finger and find out. But that was not always the wisest choice. A sweet gift indeed. What is its purpose? He asked. It is a ring of great illusion, forged for a wizard long ago. It will hide your curse from the eyes of men. But, like all enchantments, it can be broken by a strong spell, and it will only bewitch the eyes. Your flesh will still be as ice to any who touch you. Lennox had already taken off his glove as he reached out to take the gift. He slid the ring onto his middle finger, and the effect was instantaneous. The skin along his hand looked warm with blood, as color returned to his flesh. A decent spell, he thought, but incomplete. A true enchantment would have brought warmth back to his skin as well, though that would be a powerful ring indeed. He turned and saw Shiva staring at him from the corner of his eyes. The big man was standing now, and even had a small amount of surprise breaking through his icy features. Lennox chuckled. Well, I suppose I have seen better days. It is a gift greatly accepted. When he turned back to face Fade, the serpent's eyes gleamed in recognition, and the ancient snake bowed his head low, almost to the water's surface before raising it again. My prince, he began, his tone rich and unsettling. You look as though you have been born anew. Please, forgive my ignorance. Truly, I thought you dead long ago. I needed to see who you really were, not the hollow that you appeared to be. Though the words were pleasing, the serpent's eyes remained lifeless and cold. Fade the unfaithful, that was your name once, Lennox remembered. Blood and ash, how do you know when a serpent lies? He grunted and smiled up at the creature. Fade was still bound to his word. The serpent would serve when commanded. The tomes and my belongings, he repeated. Fade's tongue flickered out. It seems. He paused, his voice uncertain. Young prince, fate is cruel. You seek the Lord's tomes and ask me to play my part, and I will, truly. But much time has passed and your journey has only just begun. A hydra lives among the tombs. An abomination shaped for my kind by the Dark Moon Alchemist. Another failed experiment. 
Whether the beast escaped or was sent is unclear, but the fact remains. While he guards the crypts, I cannot approach, lest he should destroy me. And with me gone, all hope of recovering the tomes vanishes. What are you telling me then? Lennox asked. That you are craven? That you would forswear your vow? Fade's reaction was minimal, which didn't much surprise Lennox. The serpent looked vaguely puzzled at first, then slightly amused. He gave a faint, thin smile, and quietly rose high up into the air. I swore to undo the spell placed upon the grave, not battle a hydra. Young prince, I am a key, not a sword. The serpent's tongue flickered. Has your hope shattered? Have you amalgamated yourself with the crestfallen of this world? You were mighty once. Can you be mighty again? You are asking me to slay a monster, Lennox replied. I seek nothing from you. I offer you instruction and make known the way. Fate has forged your path. It is your yoke to bear. Again the water stirred as Fade's long, coiling tail withdrew from the shore and melted into the black water of the lake. The mighty serpent stared down at Lennox, tall and strong as a stone tower. Slowly he began to slip back into shadow. Raise the floodgates. Drain the city. Kill the beast. Then I will fulfill my vow. The low mist returned slowly, its silver gleam seeping back along the water's edge as Fade drifted further and further away, his long neck dipping down into the darkness until the creature looked only like one shadow among thousands. His last words were heard echoing across the stillness of the lake. Fleeting prince, may we meet again. Then the serpent was gone. Shiva remained on the shore looking out across the void, but Lennox turned and left without a word, his face empty. All light was gone from his eyes. Shiva found Lennox inside the undead cathedral, sitting in one of the few pews that remained. His helmet was off, and Shiva could see the long hair falling dark across his golden armor. The big man stood at the doorway and took in the ruined hall. Shattered crystals and bent steel littered the floor where the chandeliers had fallen. Otherwise, the hall was empty. The bodies of the two caretakers had been thrown in with the pews to help fuel the fire. They had burned hot and bright, but went to ash quickly, and now nothing remained of the fire outside but the red embers of the extinguished flame. Shiva took another step forward his feet resting in the shallow water of a large puddle. He could feel the water beginning to seep through the soft leather stitches. Sir Lennox, he called out. He let the words echo and die before he continued. You have just now been freed. It is too early to descend into misery. What drives you? Lennox remembered Fade's words to Shiva. He wanted to know as well. He sat with his eyes closed as he rolled the Oathkeeper ring around his finger. Shiva had one as well. He had seen it. He cursed Fade the Unfaithful and wished him burn in Sheol. The Lord's tomes could wait, but without his belongings he was weak and vulnerable. 
he might even die. Well, not die, but go hollow, or close to it, even without the taint. He looked down at his helm and reached out and took it up and examined it. He ran his fingers across the small dents and scratches that littered the right side, and along the runes that were etched beneath the bottom of the visor, so small one could hardly see them at all. A part of him wanted to smile. Despite its age and heavy use, the armor was still strong. The enchantments flowed through the gold. His enchantments, the strongest a man could ever cast. He must never take it off. Never. He placed the helm on his head as he rose and began making his way towards Shiva. The warden watched him pass and followed him outside. Lennox picked up his flail and shield from where he had left them. He hung the ball and chain on his hip and swung the Black Knight's kite shield across his back and turned to Shiva. He nodded. Shiva nodded back. And they left, making their way towards the only path there was to follow. A long and windy road leading up alongside the mountain's wall, lined by a thousand torches. When they had passed by several hundred flames, Lennox peered over his shoulder towards the undead cathedral. He was high above the church now, and it looked small next to the black lake and surrounding darkness. Its large torches burned bright, illuminating the stone structure, but nothing else. It was as though the cathedral hung inertly in a pitch of black. Lennox turned away. You mentioned some companions. Shiva didn't respond right away, and after a long silence, Lennox thought maybe he had not been heard. He was about to speak again when Shiva answered, I did. Again, there was a moment of silence as Shiva thought about what he might or might not say. In the end, he must have decided there was no need to keep anything back. The girl waits for us outside the mouth of the mountain with the mounts. The beast refused to enter, even when led by foot. Though, her wolves did not seem afraid. Wolves? Lennox wanted to know more but kept silent. He would see her soon enough. And the other? I believe you mentioned he resides near Solaire. Just so. Another prince like you. Shiva laughed. The king of Solier has a mighty appetite. Prince Oscar is his ninth child. And fifth in line of succession. Mistress soon says he will soon pass the mage trials. And be granted his wizard's robes despite his young age. You make him sound as if he were a child. Shiva turned to face Lennox. Hmm. He is five and ten, almost a man grown. This time it was Lennox who laughed. They were all children to him, the young wizard prince, the girl waiting outside, the oracle and her warden. Only children, Lennox thought. What if this boy decides he doesn't want to join us? Shiva turned back and continued along the trail, his right side lit up by fire his left hidden in shadow. He will not have a choice. Oh, really? Shiva shrugged. Did you? Mistress Soon has seen it. Ah, uh, Mistress Soon has seen it, Lennox echoed. 
After that, they did not speak. They moved along the pathway, and Lennox's golden armor clamored and clinked while the warden's cloak draped him in a stillness and a silence that could only be brought on by magic. It was the silence that caught Lennox's notice. Even when he watched the big man's footsteps, he heard nothing. Not even the silent scuff of soft leather on smooth stone. The man is enveloped in magic and enchantments. I must not take my eyes off him. Even for a moment. Lennox thought. Not even a second. Second.